I'm not sure when it happened. But there is an abundance of evidence that it has happened. I don't know of any time of the year when there is not greater evidence than it has happened than this time of the year. At some point, I don't know when exactly, but at some point there has occurred a fold in the fabric of the space-time continuum. Shocking, isn't it? Now, I know that has happened, and, and it has occurred just exactly like Stephen Hawkins, the, the late British theoretical physicist and cosmologist and other scientists who study quantum physics and the theory of relativity and all of those kinds. They said it was going to happen, and it's happened just exactly like they said it was going to happen, and I don't know when it occurred, but I just know it has happened because at this time of the year, there is absolutely no doubt that time has been compressed. It has. And if you just think about it, you'll know that's true. We, we all know it to be true. The time between Christmases used to be enormous. Now then, it's almost instantaneous. Some of you who are as old as I am will remember those times when we were younger folks, when Christmas would come, and then it was like 9,000 years between the next one. And now, we turn around and Suddenly, it's, it, it's, it's here. Thanksgiving just suddenly appears this day and age. Doesn't it? How many of you have even said to me, boy, Thanksgiving just slipped up on me this year? Like, where did this come from? It's Thanksgiving. And then immediately following Thanksgiving, we enter into some other things. The time that between Thanksgiving and Christmas just barely existed all now. When, when I was young, which was a long time ago, Maggie knows how that's how, like to be that. Oh, but when I was young, a long time ago, it was eons between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, you had to wait a while between Turkey and Santa Claus. But now, because of the fold in the space-time continuum, it's just like that. It's here. It's here. It's, it's all over us. And, and I would not be surprised in my lifetime to see Santa's sleigh pulled by turkeys. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to happen. <laughs> Years ago, it, and something else that already has happened. Black Friday begins on Monday. <laughs> the fold in the time-space continuum has occurred. Years ago, we used to celebrate Thanksgiving, and then we'd celebrate Christmas, and then we'd celebrate New Year. Now we celebrate the holiday season. We do that. You know, you know, we started this just a few years ago. In this fellowship, we begin to have a holiday meal. Now, we don't do that to be politically correct. Understand that. We're, we're not doing it to be politically correct. We're doing it because we understand that it's almost impossible to fit another thing in in this season in which we live. When are we going to find another day? There's been the compression of time. And we just, we have to do things together so that we can just get them all in. Time compression is all around us. Christmas decorations go up before Halloween and the Valentine candy will be out before the chocolate cherries are gone. You wait and see. It happens. Even in my own family, 
in my own family, I had one family member say something to the effect that they were putting their Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving because they wanted to be thankful for their Christmas tree. <laughs> we do that, don't we? We do that. that. That's just kind of a sign of the time. Well, this morning, in all seriousness, I'd like, can it's all right for us to slow down just a little bit? Can we, can we slow down just for a moment and unfold the fabric of space and time? And think about the season that we celebrate. There was a reason for Thanksgiving before there ever was a Christmas. Okay? But now, there's even a greater reason for Thanksgiving because of Christmas. And that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit this morning because, you see, long before an angel announced to a teenage girl that she was going to have a child and she would name his, call his name Jesus because he would save their people from their sin, long before that announcement, there was reason for thanksgiving. Long before the heavens gave birth to a star that wise men saw in the east, there was reason for thanksgiving. Long before a group of angels appeared to some shepherds on a Judean hillside in the nighttime to proclaim a birth had occurred, there was a reason for thanksgiving. Long before the, the voice of a crying baby who was Christ the Lord filled the, uh, uh, an empty place wherever he was born, there was a reason for Christmas. And I want us to think about that. I want us to think about how the psalmist David, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, hundreds of years before the Christ event, penned his greatest song, in my opinion, and it's one I have often used at Thanksgiving time because it tells us something about this great event David in Psalm 100 said this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with song. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. David said all of those things before there was a Christmas. I want us to think about that today and I want us to look at that psalm just for a few moments and, and to think about how, how David saw it. Then I also want us to think a little bit further along as we unfold the time-space continuum and we allow things to stretch out again a little bit and be separated in time. I want you to understand the reason that today we have even a greater reason for thanksgiving. To start with, I want you to notice something that David said. He said that we were to give thanks to God because God said so. Folks, I don't know if you understand the importance of that or not, but when God says something, we need to pay attention to him. We need to give heed to what he is saying. And David said that God said, give thanks to him. We're told it three times in this psalm to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We're said, called to serve the Lord with gladness. We're called to come before his presence with singing. And I want you to notice that the command comes from God for us to give thanksgiving to God and he does not tie that with anything that we have in this world. Our thanksgiving to God is not dependent on the presence of or the absence of stuff. It is dependent upon the reality of who God is. And we're called to give thanks to him. It doesn't specify that we're to give thanks to God if everything is going according to our plans. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I like to plan. 
I've always liked playing. I always like to have an idea of what's going to come up next, what's coming around the curve toward me. I like to make plans for the future. Well, I want you to know that even when my plans go awry, based on what David said, before there is Christmas, I still need to give thanks to God. I am to recognize the greatness of my God in the absence of the things of this world. The instruction is not look at what you have and give thanks to God for your stuff. The command is give thanks to God, period. Oh, church, we need to understand that. We as 21st century Americans have developed the idea that the only time that we need to give thanks and adoration to the God of the universe is when the God of the universe is acting like a genie in the bottle and he's performing the task that we want him to perform when we want it done and how we want it done. We think that we need to give God praise only when the healings come, when the bills are paid, when, when, when there is no difficulties in our life, when there are no family problems, when, when nothing is going wrong in our lives. We need to give God thanks because God deserves our thanks. And folks, God deserves our thanks all the time. In the midst of cancer, God deserves our praise and thanksgiving. In the midst of difficulties in families, God deserves our praise and thanksgiving. In the midst of difficulties in the nation, God deserves our thanks and, and, and our praise because he is God and because he said so. That's just the plain and simple fact of it all. But so often we tie our thanksgiving to God to all of those other things. We have been blessed beyond the dreams of any nation on this planet besides ours and, and we've become a people who think that we are entitled and, and now then we give God thanks if our cup is not, not just full. Do you realize that Americans that we don't give thanks to God unless our cup is running over and we got stuff to waste? We don't look and thank God that we got something in the cup. In Boiling Springs, South Carolina, right now, you ride down the road and you'll find this to be true. They are being built at least two other storage places where you can put more stuff than you can put in your house. Isn't that right? There, how many storage buildings, how many, how, many, how many storage units are there in Boiling Springs, if you were guessing? How many you think? You want me to tell you? A bunch. <laughs> Lots. And they're building more. And if the drawings are right that I saw, they're building two storage storage units. Two, they're tall ones. Why? Because our cups are running over and we got stuff that we, we can't even throw away stuff fast enough. Have you been to the dump lately? Go to the dump and give God thanks. What? You go to the dump and see truck after truck after truck after truck hauling our waste. And yet we think, well, what's God done for me lately? He's done everything for us. But that's beside the point. Because, see, our thanksgiving doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we have something or whether we don't have anything. God does not tie our thanks to the things of this world. He simply commanded his people to give thanks, and that was before Christmas. But now, but now we can look in the New Testament and we can see the verification that after our Lord came that the command was restated in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. It says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Because of Christmas, because of the Christ event, 
because of the reality of Jesus coming to this earth as a baby living a perfect life before us because of what he has done we should sing in the presence of stuff or in the absence of stuff that he is all I need he is all I need Jesus is all I need that should be our Thanksgiving song right David said give thanks to the Lord before Christmas we find in the New Testament because of Christmas there's even more reason to give thanks to God and it's still not tied to the things that we have well I believe that we should be thankful for what we have I believe that we should give God praise for the things we have because after all every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father we have we ha what we have because of, of the greatness and the wonderfulness of God. But even when the things of this world are gone, we have reason for thanksgiving. And, and church, I, I really think that we need to begin to concentrate on these things a little bit more in our day and age. If you have looked at the political climate of the United States of America, if you've looked at the unrest in the world around us, you might need to think about the fact that all the things that we have become so accustomed to could almost instantaneously be gone. What will we do in that case? What will we be thankful for then? Well, isn't it great that while God wants us to be thankful, even in the absence of things, God always gives us something to be thankful for. In the psalm, in the psalm David tells us some of those things. The first thing he says is, for the Lord, he is good. You know, when everything else in this world is gone, and we look around and our cups are not uh, running over, as a matter of fact, maybe they're not even half full, and we begin to question, well, what do I have to be thankful for? We can always be thankful for the fact that God, that the Lord, He is God. You know, we don't serve some imperfect human being. If you, if you, if you look long enough, I'm going to venture to say that you'll find something wrong with everybody that you know. If you, look long, if you look long enough, and sometimes we might have to look real hard, I've got an idea, you can probably find something wrong with yourself. What do you think? If we just take time and turn our eyes inward, you, you can find something wrong with everybody. But folks, you can look throughout all of eternity past and you will find no fault in the Lord God. He was perfect from the very beginning. This guy that I talked about to begin with is Stephen Hawkins, by the way. He passed away not too long ago. He was talking about where the universe came from. He's been trying to, he was trying, he, he, he knows now. <laughs> and it ain't no theory no more, he knows. But he was trying to come up with a theory of everything. And he said that if you went back far enough, you were going to find out that every came, everything came from a singularity. Now, he didn't want to call that singularity God. But he said everything came from a singularity. Well, hello, in the beginning, God. If you look back far enough and you come back to that singularity before God created anything that was, you're going to still find out the Lord, he is God in the moment before creation began. The Lord has always been God. He always will be God. He was God in eternity past. He will be God in eternity future. He is God in our present tense. Folks, we can be thankful because the Lord, He is God. We could be thankful for that before there was a Christmas. But now, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us Jesus Christ being found in the form of God did not consider it 
robbery to be equal with God, but he made of himself no reputation and he took take the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. When Jesus became flesh and stepped into human history, Jesus, the God of creation, lived 33 years as the perfect man living a perfect life before us. He is God. The Lord, He is God. Perfect God. We might question that. We can look in, in history and we can find out during the trials of Jesus when Pilate questioned Him. After everything was done, what did Pilate say? He said, I find no fault in Him. Do you know why Pilate, a man that thought nothing of taking the life of a Jew, had to declare that there was no fault in Jesus? Because there was none. The Lord, He is God. He is the perfect God of creation. And we became Jesus of Nazareth. He remained perfect. One of the greatest reasons for our continual thanksgiving for unfolding the time-space continuum and, and worshiping God every day of our lives is that we don't serve a God we have chosen or elected or created in our own image, but instead we serve a God who is the author of creation. We've got reason for thanksgiving. Always reason for thanksgiving. We serve a perfect God who has chosen us. We have not chosen him. But David doesn't stop there. He says that it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Folks, let me tell you something. When you run out of stuff to be thankful for, you can be thankful for the fact that you have been put together by a God who is loving, caring, and all-powerful, and that we have not been put together by man who's ruined everything he's ever touched. I'm glad that man didn't design me. I mean, just think, could a man have designed something as good as this? You know, you got to think about it. I am thankful that it was not a committee of human beings that put me together or put you together. We can be thankful to God because in His divine sovereignty, He chose to put us together. We've been designed by an almighty, all-knowing, all-careful God who cares for us. And that was before Christmas all. That was the reality. But now... But now, I want to tell you something that should just, just excite you. But now, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, because of what He has done by coming to, to earth in Bethlehem on that first Christmas and going to a cross and dying for because of the reality of Christmas, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that He has made us anew. We have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. As born-again children of God, we've got reason for thanksgiving because we have been recreated in the image of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is He that hath made us. It is He that continues to make us. And it is He that will keep us until the very end. So when everything else is gone, church, I want you to know we got reason for thanksgiving. We got a reason. The Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture, David said. Oh, that was written to a people in the Old Covenant, it was written to a people who were bound by the restrictions of the law, who had to make certain they did certain things in certain ways and, and, and that they kept that Old Covenant. But that was before Christmas. But now, 
When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we enter a relationship with Him that's described in another Old Testament passage. It's described in the 23rd Psalm. But it, 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 it has special application to us after Christmas because now, folks, I want you to know in a new way, we are the sheep of His pasture. We are His, His, His care is, is belonging to us. He is our great shepherd. There is a relationship that we have with him. And in that wonderful relationship that comes to us and is made real through Christmas and through the life and through the death and resurrection of our Lord, we know that he now guides us. He protects us and he provides for us even when we can't see where we're going. Any of you ever have a problem know where you're going? Any of you don't have a problem know where you're going? We all do, don't we? I don't know what tomorrow holds. Do you know what's coming up tomorrow? It thundered last night. Somebody said we're going to have snow and by Friday. I don't know. I don't know if I need to get milk and bread now or not. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen Friday, but I know when I get to Friday, my Lord's going to be there. And he's going to guide us if we allow him to guide us every step of our way as we journey through this thing called life. He'll, he'll, he, he sees when we cannot see and even when we don't know where the next drink of water will come from, he leads us by still water. Even when we don't know where the next pasture for us to graze in lies, he, he takes us to those green pastures. And the reason that we can rejoice is because he knows. He knows we are his people. We're the sheep of his pastures. And we can give thanks because we are his. And he'll lead us in the right direction if only we will allow him to. Oh, we got reason for thanksgiving. When you unfold time we look back in the past and we look at our present and we look even to the future we realize that there's always a reason for thanksgiving and it's been spread over the eons of time and it will be there as long as time remains David wrote and he said the Lord is good the Lord is good can I tell you that we need to be thankful that the Lord is good. If the Lord was not good, none of us would be here. If the Lord was not long-suffering, none of us would have a prayer. Right? I mean, we know us, right? We do not remain because of our goodness. We remain because of the goodness of our Lord. The Lord, He is good. He is the one. He's not good like a man is good, but he's good as only he can be good. You know, most of us, I, I'm going to just step out on the limb, okay? I'm going to say all of us can be good in response to somebody else being good to us. Right? That's human nature, right? Human nature is such that if, if you're good to me, I'll be good to you. If you'll do for me, I'll do for you. But David said, the Lord is good. And he recognized that goodness before Christmas. But now, 
But now, because of the reality of Christmas, we understand God's goodness in a way that David really didn't understand it because he was on the other side of the Christ event. But I'm here to tell you that God's goodness is greater than any goodness that man could ever possibly amass because my Bible says that Jesus Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner. It was not because of my goodness, but it was in spite of my wickedness. Theological truth, Scott. I wouldn't have done that. Would you have done that? Would you have died for you? Huh? You know you, right? You know you. Would you have gone to a cross and died for you as wicked as you were before you came to Christ? Would you have done that? Would, would you go and die for yourself right now even after you know Jesus knowing how you are? I don't get a response. That'd be yes, no, or I don't know. No, none of us would. None of us would die for, for somebody else who is just like us. And yet the goodness of God that has been demonstrated before Christmas and after Christmas is that the Lord is so good, so caring, so wonderful that he does for us what we would not even do for ourselves. God loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Folks, I'm here to tell you that especially after Christmas, there's reason for thanksgiving. There's reason for our continual praise. But David doesn't stop there. David says not only that, but he said his mercy is everlasting. Oh, I am thankful for that one. His mercy is everlasting. Listen, Christian. The salvation that we have been given by the mercy of God is not just for today, but it's for eternity. Ain't that good? It's for eternity. The government may tax away your possessions. Disease may eat away at your health. Rust and moths may get whatever's left, but our salvation rests in the everlasting mercy of an eternal God of creation who demonstrated His love for us when He came at Christmas. We've got reason for thanksgiving. We've got reason for praise. Another thing David says in the 100th Psalm is that His truth endures to all generations. We live in a world that's changing. It is amazing to me at the amount of change that has taken place just in the last 10 or 12 years. And they say change, you know, kind of doubles the, the information or the, the, I would start to say intelligence, but man has never increased in his intelligence. But the amount of information that stupid people can have doubles just, you know, about every other day. And, and, and because of that, there's this constant change in our world. There's constant change in our lives. We see it every day of our lives. I came to South Carolina almost 40 years ago now. I came with, I came with a wife and two little bitty girls. Now my little bitty girls have got children of their own. And my wife is stuck with a relatively handsome and healthy old man. 
Change happens. I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I notice, hmm, where'd that come from? Or when I comb my hair, I think, hmm, where did that go? <laughs> change. We all experience change. And if the Lord tarries is coming, we're going to experience more change. People that we love or leave us. Things that we thought were settled and secure and written in stone, we find out get washed away by the floods of time. All of those kinds of things happen to us. But I want you to know that our salvation does not rest in, in that. Our salvation rests in the fact that God's truth endures to all generations. But now I want you to know that the truth that he said about everything endures. What he said about sin still endures. Church, can I tell you something? God hadn't changed his mind. What God said was sin 10,000 years ago is still sin today. We can redefine it. We can call it alternate lifestyles. We can call it this. We can call it that. We can call it anything we want to. But we need to understand our God calls it sin. His truth endures to all generations. You know, the Bible says that heaven and earth may pass away, but His word will not pass away. Not one jot, one tittle will pass away. I think we have become such a throwaway society. We have begun to think, well, you know, sooner or later, that'll just go away too. Some of the things that God has said, that'll just go away. We'll just throw it away. We'll recycle it. We'll turn it into something else. Well, I want to tell you something. His truth endures to all generations. So those things that were permanent in the days of David are still permanent in our day. Though, 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 though things change, we need to know that now, because of Christmas, that our God does not change his truth still endures his son will never change Jesus Christ will never change he's the same yesterday today and forever folks I want you to know that's a reason to give thanks you know we deal with people and and you deal with people we all deal with people right and don't you love it when a person is one way one day and one way another day Does that tear you up you know I hate it when I hate when people are not the same every time I see them well let me tell you somebody who is the same every time you see them his name is Jesus. He does not change. He does not change who He is. He does not change His love toward us. So his, the Son never changes. The Word is sure. The Word of God is sure. You can count on it. You can count that the promises that God has made, He will fulfill. The judgment that God has decreed that will come because of sin, you can count on that too. He will execute His judgment. He is, he is, is, is solid. He never changes. His truth endures. His word endures. His faithful, he is faithful to all of His promises. So we need to know that we have reason for thanksgiving. David understood it before there ever was a Christmas. He understood it before there, there ever was a cross in history anyway. The cross has always been in the heart and the mind of God from the very beginning of time. But before David ever saw it a reality, he wrote that psalm. And in that psalm, he said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. 
We're the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with song. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And that was before Christmas, but now, because of the reality of the Christ event, we have even more reason for thanksgiving. So you see, when we unfold the time-space continuum and we decompress time and begin to see that there's never been a moment when God was not worthy of our thanksgiving, when He was not worthy of our praise and that, that it has only increased over time. And there has been a lot of time, even though it seems it passed so fast now, there's been a lot of time that has taken place since David wrote Psalm 100 and we see the reality of the narratives in Matthew and Luke. And over that long expanse of time, God has sought to demonstrate His love for us and make us understand that there is reason for thanksgiving and that it should increase day after day after day after day after day as we walk in the wonders of His grace and mercy. Because Christmas. One last question that we need to ask and we need to ponder just for a moment. If we have all of those reasons, if we have all of that presented to us in in the Old Testament, we see it verified and even elevated in the New Testament, and then how in the world can we possibly ever give thanks to this God who has from eternity past and will through eternity future be all of those things for us and to us? How can we possibly, possibly do that? Well, I'm going to read you just a little Old Testament passage again, if I may, because in this we find the unchangeable God telling us how He would like for us to show thanks to Him. And it says this, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. How do we say thanks to God? How do we tell Him thank you? How do we express... Our thanksgiving on thanksgiving for what has happened at Christmas and thereafter. How do we express all of that? We live our lives in such a way that it proclaims our love for Him. He said, I desire loving kindness. If we're going to say thank you to God, if our lives are going to shout thank you, if our lives are going to shout His praise, then they must be accented with love toward Him and toward one another. Now, you know, I've been in church a long time. I've done church a long time. And I want you to know that I think church stuff is important. But I want you to hear me tell you this morning that we can do all this churchy stuff week in and week out. But if our lives do not show the world the the difference that Jesus Christ makes, then we have failed to show our thanksgiving to God. You don't really show thanksgiving to God by the way you do churchy stuff. You show thanksgiving to God by the way you live your life every day of your life. That's what He wants. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciple, that you're one of my followers by the way that you love one another. But God doesn't stop there. In Hosea, He says that He desires desires loving kindness more than ritual. He desires loving kindness more than churchy stuff. And He desires reverence more than sacrifice, more than burnt offerings, more than what you say you give up for God. 
He desires our reverence. And reverence simply means this, that we give Him praise and credit for all He's done rather than elevating ourselves. That we recognize that, that, that it is all of God, it's from God, and without Him we would have nothing that we have, we would accomplish nothing that we have accomplished. We reverence Him by giving Him praise, and we, and we follow His leadership rather than the wisdom of man. That we seek to be the people He wants us to be. John said it this way, John said, I must decrease that He might increase. That's the way we show Him how thankful we are. There's an old song that was written a long time ago. And one of my favorite songs about Thanksgiving, that one and the one that Eric and I are going to sing in just a minute. But it asked the question, how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? That's a legitimate question. How many of you have asked that lately? Lord, how can I say thank you for what you've done for me? Has that thought ever come across your mind? Lord, how can I say thank you? How can I demonstrate my thanksgiving in light of the Christ event? How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved? And by the way, I pray that God never gives me what I deserve. Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. And then the song says, The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. And then the song says this, because whoever wrote this song came to an understanding of what Hosea 6, 6 really means. Because then it says, Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to Thee. And if I gain any praise, you let it go to Calvary. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God, not you, to God be the glory. Great things. He has done. I don't know when it happened. But in the vast society in which we live, there has occurred a fold in the fabric of space-time continuum. Because of that church, we don't have time for God anymore. Well, I hope today that we can look a couple of thousand, four thousand years ago when the psalmist David recognized the greatness of our God in the absence of Christmas and proclaimed to us the reason for thanksgiving in our day in the presence of Christmas. Let's unfold that and take just a minute to say, here's my life, Lord. Let me make it a thanksgiving offering to you. Are you thankful? 
Are you living a life of thanksgiving? Will you say today, I want to live my life in such a way that Jesus gets the praise. That Calvary, the praise goes to Calvary, to the one who hung at Calvary. Praise doesn't go to an old cross. Praise goes to a Savior who emptied that cross. Well, I hope we know the why for Thanksgiving. I hope we've seen at least a part of the what for. We see how God tells us to be thankful. But now, will we humble ourselves? Who deserves our praise? Worship team's coming. And I want you to ask yourself the question. Does my life proclaim thanksgiving to God? Can I say that, yes, the way I live is pleasing to Him? And no praise to myself, but I want all the praise to go to Calvary. Is that the way your life is being lived? If not, today, this altar is open. Man, what a great day to come and to say to your Lord, Lord, make me thankful. In the large expanse of time, Help me live thankful. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, oh, I pray today might be the day that you come to an understanding of your need for Him. Man, what a Christmas gift you'll give to yourself. Gift of life. Would you come? Father, I pray as always that you would do the will of the, in this place That through the person of your Holy Spirit, you'd convict us of where we are, of maybe our failure to be thankful. Maybe, Father, we've all been so caught up with the things that we think we need that we don't have that we have forgot to give you thanks because of who you are and what we do have. Who we have. Bring us to that point this morning. May the ministry of this church reflect an understanding of who you are. If there be one here today that doesn't know Jesus in the free pardon of sin, I pray that you, through the person of your Holy Spirit, will bring conviction. They might understand that's your invitation. And then, Father, they will just surrender themselves to you and receive your Christmas gift, the gift of life. Again, Father, I pray your will be accomplished. No more. Yes, nothing else. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand. You come as the Lord leads. Scott will be here at the front.